Welcome to Don't Give Up on Testicular Cancer, a podcast where testicular cancer survivors, caregivers, and others who have navigated the cancer journey share their stories. The podcast comes to you from the Max Mallory Foundation, a nonprofit family foundation focused on educating about testicular cancer in honor and in memory of Max Mallory, who died in 2016 at the young age of 22 from testicular cancer. Had he survived, Max wanted to help young adults with cancer. This podcast helps meet that goal. Here now is your host, Joyce Lofstrom, Max's mom and a young adult cancer survivor. Curbs learned he had testicular cancer during his junior year of college at the University of Maine. It was 2018, and he was in a Division I baseball player on the team. He dropped out of school and returned to Brooklyn, New York, his hometown, for treatment at Memorial Sloan Kettering in New York City. He came back to school and baseball to complete his senior year and raise awareness of testicular cancer. Now, four years later, Caleb shares his story of survival and appreciation for life, which he says came from his cancer diagnosis. Caleb, I'm glad you're here with me today. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Joyce. I'd like to just start the podcast by letting my guest tell his story about what happened with testicular cancer. So I'll say the same to you. I know you were a college athlete at the University of Maine when this happened. So share anything you would like about your testicular cancer yeah, so uh, just a little bit more background around myself. I'm f- originally from Brooklyn, New York, so I'm from the city. And um, as a young kid, I really wanted to play competitive baseball in college. That was one of my goals. It's really difficult in New York City just getting exposure from college baseball schools. So I made that a goal of mine early on and wound up getting an opportunity a small opportunity to try to compete for a spot at a small division one school up north, um, which happened to be the University of Maine. And upon committing to that school the summer before getting to Maine, I actually broke my right leg. And I had, it was a pretty severe fracture. I was in a wheelchair for a couple of months. I went to my high school prom in a wheelchair and, um, it was just like this moment where I, I got pretty dark about, you know, the outlook of my baseball career. As soon as I got onto campus, I was actually limping on campus still. I had like a boot on. I just got super determined to not only make the, the baseball team, but also like make it make an impact on the field and try to win a starting spot. So that was kind of the first three years of uh, my time at the University of Maine was just spent in the weight room before school, before the team practice, I would wake up early and go to the rec center workout. And I was really just one of those grinding athletes from, uh, you know, New York city, just trying to, to make it happen. And, uh, after my first year of sitting out, I got the starting spot at second base and, um, you know, continue to, to try to get, you know, get better at baseball and try to play at the next level. And, uh, we were winding down our junior year, of school and the baseball season getting ready for the playoffs when I came out of the the shower during a practice and noticed a lump on my right testicle. And 
my first reaction was like, this is odd. This is something that I've never noticed before. So I was just kind of like noting that in the back of my head. I started asking a couple of my teammates like, hey, like, do you guys have like a lump on one of your testicles? Like, is this normal? And a lot of the guys surprisingly were like, nah, man, you're good. You're good. Like, yeah, it's just like it, everyone's a little different, that kind of thing. But um, in the back of my head, I kind of something still felt funky about it. So I reached out to my dad actually first and just told him, I mentioned it like, hey, I found a lump on one of my testicles. I'm not really sure what to do. And at this time, we we're actually getting ready to, to travel to a school to play them for a three-game series. And so my dad just told me, like, make an appointment at the campus doctor, you know, see what they say. So I wound up traveling with the team, playing the three-game series. And I had a little bit of soreness on my testicle. Like, it was noticeably kind of painful during the time that I was playing uh, that weekend. And so it was still like, it went from being in the back of my mind to something like, all right, there might be something here. So I went to the campus doctor. Initially, they tested me for sexually transmitted diseases, which I think is pretty like common for college campuses. And those tests all came back negative. So they sent me to, a, uh, to get an ultrasound at a nearby hospital in Maine. And um, I did that. And as I was uh, that same afternoon, I got a call from the doctor just saying, uh, you know, we saw something on the ultrasound. We're going to need to send you to a, a urologist, like a specialist. That's when I started to get a little bit worried. You know, I, since I was from New York City, I didn't actually drive at all during my time at Maine. So I took taxis to all my doctor's appointment alone and didn't really have someone to kind of talk through what I was going through at the time. I was kind of that night when I got home from the urologist, I spent a lot of time on YouTube just like looking up videos about testicles and trying to see like what it could possibly be because, I mean, I had no idea that cancer was one of the things. And then, you know, I was staying up late that night and I came across one video of a doctor talking about testicular cancer and I was like, that's worst case scenario. Next day, I went to see the specialist and walked into his office. He pulled up the image of the ultrasound on the screen. And he said, you see that mass right here, that gray area, that's cancer. You need to get surgery immediately. And I said to him, initially, I mean, I was shocked. I was like, surgery, so we're just gonna take off the lump? And, and he's like, no, you have to take off, you have, the, the whole testicle is, is going. And uh, you know, the first person I called was my baseball coach and just told him what happened and was crying on the phone. And then after that, I made a series of phone calls. I called my dad and he couldn't believe it. He wanted to talk to the doctor. So I gave the doctor the phone to my dad. And, uh, you know, he kind of, he was, in, he was in denial a little bit about it. And uh, called my mom, called my brother, called my other brother, just told him what happened. And my mom's first reaction was to try to get me out of Maine and get me to New York City where there's a lot more hospitals and I'm not knocking Maine, but it's just it's a little bit more rural. And so she made a phone call to Memorial Sloan Kettering and got me an appointment within, within a week. And I got the first flight back to New York City and left school. Uh, left, uh, first, I addressed the baseball team, which was kind of an intense moment for me to, you know, let everyone know that I was battling this, this disease that everyone was aware of and had different like stories of their own with cancer in their families and things like that. So that was a moment that 
it was very memorable for me just addressing like all my friends and coaches right. um and then yeah i went back to new york city i i met with a doctor they uh they did a cat scan they started to do uh blood work for the tumor markers and uh i i caught it pretty early in the process the the cancer was uh stage 1 it was starting to spread to one, to one of my lymph nodes in my groin, but it was such a small kind of lymph node uh, that they weren't too worried about it. And then that week, I just stayed in New York City, kind of like waiting for the surgery. At the you know, I think it was on a Friday, and it was like Monday, and I was just like waiting in my house. And um, interestingly enough, my body started to have some weird reactions where I was like getting night sweats at night. I just felt like super scared. I remember thinking about death and thinking that like it's coming like a lot a lot sooner than I imagined, but it's like this is real. Like I don't know if I'm going to make it. Those were some of the thoughts I was having. Right, yeah. Normal. Very normal. And, yeah. and then I went and uh, got the surgery. It was a little bit painful afterwards. They, you know, they tell you that you can't do any activities for about eight weeks and I was I was a baseball player in the middle of my career so I had a hard time standing and 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 like not swinging in the mirror like looking at myself and like just doing like baseball movements like in my bedroom trying to do anything I could to like let time pass and get back on the field so that, that was a long couple of weeks then after that we you know after they did surgery, removed the, the, the testicle, they uh, monitored my tumor markers, saw that they were declining, saw that the cancer wasn't spreading you know, to other parts of my body. And we came up with a plan to do a surveillance protocol where I would get uh, CAT scans two times a year and x-rays, I think, every three or four months with blood work, just a kind of surveillance protocol. And... I just saw my doctor at Sloan Kettering a week ago, and he said that I would have one more CAT scan in six months, and then I wouldn't need any more. And uh, kind of like graduating in the surveillance protocol program to to just needing blood work and like a chest X-ray every couple of months or so. So that's good news for me. And yeah, that's pretty much my story. Well, I just want to react to a couple of things you said. And I think first is just your, your diligence and your perseverance in making the team and realizing that what your goal was and then how to get there. That's That says a lot about you, Caleb, as a person and just, you know, being able to do that after you had the broken leg, which had to be just very scary. I mean, just to go through all that and know that you're you're off to Maine for baseball. And then I think the second thing is just being, as you said, you're from New York and going back to New York for treatment into Sloan Kettering. And that was a, a question I wanted to have you talk about too, because that's one of the top places in the country to go for testicular cancer. And, you know, I, I know a lot of our listeners struggle, I'll say, with, you know, where to go because not everybody has access easily to some of the top places in the country. And it's not to, as you said, to downplay or slam another location, but, you know, certain medical centers and physicians have a lot more experience in treating this cancer. Because uh, I know we went through the same thing with Max, but can you just talk a little bit about your experience at Sloan Cancer? And, you know, just that location as a place to go for testicular cancer. 
Yeah, I, I love Sloan Kettering. I would highly recommend anybody that's dealing with cancer to get treatment from that hospital. What I liked about it was just how efficient each appointment was. If I needed blood work or an x-ray before I met with the doctor, it was always done in a timely fashion and everything was in the same location, if not like across the street, which was helpful. It wasn't a lot of waiting around before appointments. Uh, I never felt like, oh my God, when's the doctor going to come see me? Um, which for anyone dealing with cancer is kind of like they know that the, the waiting game can kind of play with your head a little bit. You're waiting to find out more information about what's going on. And so I always felt like I was in and out quickly. The staff was always really, really kind. And yeah, like I said, it, it, I've been to a lot of doctor's offices over my lifetime. And I really just think that Sloan Kettering does a really good job there. That's great. I mean, that's, I think that's good for everyone to hear and, and to know about what they provide for testicular cancer. So I know you went back to college once you got through all of this and, and started your own awareness campaign of strike out the stigma. So tell us a little bit about that, going back to school and then this campaign. Yeah. So after I got back to campus, um, I had a time to, I had a lot of time to kind of reflect about what I wanted to do with this experience and um, at that time, I felt like it was both helpful and something I just wanted to do personally to talk about it and get the word out there. I, I knew that people, you know, I had, made, I had posted on my like social media account that I was going through, you know, cancer treatment. And so people were talking about it around me, but I wanted, you know, you know to just do something that could help other young men detect it early. Um, because that's that's kind of the the major thing with most cancers is catching it early enough before it spreads so quickly to other parts of your body. So I, I wound up meeting with my head coach, who, by the way, when I when he was the first person that I called to tell him about this, he actually had somebody in his family that also had this disease. So he immediately gave me his contact information, and I called him right after surgery, just to link up with another testicular cancer survivor and just get, like, he gave me an idea of what the outlook of, like, the rest of, like, home care would look like and, like, moving forward, some things that helped him. And so that was a key for me, being able to, like, just talk to someone else that's going, that went through the same thing. But so I met with my head coach and we just kind of, like, talked about a plan of, what kind of thing do you want to do? And we just started talking about ideas. Initially, they just interviewed me and kind of got an art, like an article out there about my story. And then we decided like, I wanted to do something kind of comedic and something like that would get people's attention, but also make it easier for like people to talk about. And so comedy just seemed like the right choice for me. So I came up with a couple of ideas and then we shot a couple of different videos with one of the PR people first was just kind of like, like we had the, we had this phrase that we were going to use, just check your, check your bumps for lumps. And so we were just kind of playing with that phrase. And the first video we shot was like, uh, the whole baseball team, we usually play like a flag football game just for fun. Like I think it was on Halloween. And so we dressed up in like football gear. And then we like shot a quick video of me, like, like, you know, taking a football and like checking it for lumps and stuff like that. And we like 
played on the whole Tom Brady football spoof situation there. Okay. Um, and uh, then we shot another video, just like a close up of like examining different kinds of like sports balls with like our hands to just like get it out there that young men can do that. <laughs> and um, yeah, after I put that together, I started getting calls from different people. I got um, Justin from a, a ballsy sense of tumor reached out to me. Um, and I talked with him for a little bit. Then the head of the testicular, uh, testicular cancer foundation reached out to me and we just spoke on the phone and he linked me up with a former major league baseball player, Chad Bettis, who was a pitcher for the Colorado Rockies. And he sent me like a personal video to my phone, just talking to me about testicular cancer and, you know, his, his story. And then, yeah, I wound up playing my senior year and, you know, during the time that I was playing, uh, some of the announcers that were announcing the games, you know, had mentioned my story. So I started to get emails from different, from people from all over the country, just emailing me, like telling me how much of an impact I made and uh, how much they were rooting for me. Um, and since then I've had friends and just acquaintances, mostly men like reach out and be like, Hey, I got a lump on one of my testicles. What should I do? And, wow. uh, yeah, I've had a couple of friends, uh, with, with, uh, scares like that. And I, I always tell them just go get it checked out. I mean, what's the big deal? Yeah. You know, and I think that last comment is, is crucial because so many young men don't go get it checked out. You know, they wait and, um, I'm glad that you you had that feedback from your what you you know what you've done and with your campaign and being able to connect to the professional baseball player too. I know I, I have a Google alert for testicular cancer. And, you know, I've seen several ball players from across the country, different teams have had testicular cancer and have come back to play and so forth. So it's great that you had that support on campus and with your coach and the PR team. So just, I'm glad that you pursue that because not everybody does you know you could have just let it go but i think you've helped a lot of people just through that one campaign so talk a little bit about just so you went back to school and was it difficult to play baseball um the same drive or how did you feel about that at that time i started to get some distance from it it started to feel like less of a love and more of just like uh you know, something that I had to do. And it, it just, it felt, it felt like I was starting to get a little burnt out from playing. Like I didn't have the same joy anymore. And I don't know if that was the environment that I was in, you know, being far from New York city and, and just being in like a cold in the cold of Maine and playing baseball or what it really was. But I just started to think about like, what, a, you know, the dream of playing at the next level seemed like it was further fetched than I imagined. So I started to kind of think about what I wanted to do as soon as I was done playing. And the first thing that came to my mind was like, I, I needed an adventure. And so I wanted to travel. So as soon as I like stopped playing, you know, we, we keep playing baseball after the school year's over and we'd actually don't get to go to our college graduation because we're on the road. So it's kind oh my. of, okay. Well, it's I kind of like a funky, a funky thing. Cause you don't get any closure from school. And so, I just needed some spontaneous adventures. So I traveled to the West coast and visited, uh, uh, some family 
in Colorado and then Arizona. And then I went to California and visited some family I didn't, I hadn't met before. And then I actually got the idea that I wanted to go to Thailand. So I traveled alone to Thailand and, uh, I was interested in Thailand because I was starting to get interested in meditation and Buddhist teachings. So I wanted to go on a, a retreat and there was a forest monastery that I had heard about from a friend located on the border of Myanmar and Thailand um, in the north. So I planned a trip and like went and did a 10 day retreat in the forest with some Thai monks and did quite a lot of meditating, uh, walking meditation, sitting meditation, and tapped into like a, a place in my mind that I'd never been before. Um, it was like very, very serene and calming and uh, a lot of memories started to come back from my childhood that I'd never like seen before or, or felt in a long time. Well, I guess I had seen them before, but uh, they came back to me and it was, uh, yeah, it was just a very, I mean, transformative experience for me. I felt like I was independent again and just like trying to find my own way, what I wanted to do next. And uh, just like randomly, a friend from high school reached out to me and said, hey, I'm working at a really fancy hotel in the Catskill Mountains in New York. I'm looking for someone to... Uh, be like my right hand man, like help, help run things. And, um, he said, if you're interested, let me know. And, uh, this is while I was in Thailand. So I said, yeah, sure. I'll check it out when I get back. And, uh, as soon as I got back to New York, I linked up with him and started working in the hospitality industry and, um, got introduced to like fine dining food and, uh, was really kind of motivated and, inspired by seeing like the, the cooks and the chefs work. There was something about that that reminded me a lot of like, a lot about like athletics and just uh, like the grind of it, the physical, the, the physical labor and just like the preparation part of it. So after that job, I started actually cooking in a couple of different kitchens. And um, next week I'm actually going to be starting at the Culinary Institute of America and trying to kind of just learn more and uh, we'll see where, where I go from there. But that's kind of where I'm at now is just really inspired by food and cooking and making things taste good. You know, I, I never thought of the kitchen, you know, and the, all the work that goes on with a chef and his team and or her team in the kitchen and your analogy to athletics. And I think that's a really good analogy and something I hadn't heard before, but it makes sense because of, you know, it, it's a very not extreme, but a lot of work goes into getting that final dish on the table. So um, in the Culinary Institute of America, we talked before the podcast, Caleb, and I, it, it's a really gorgeous campus and wonderful place to go to school with all the uh, opportunities there. So I think that's just a great next step. But I, I want to just comment on your time in Thailand with the, the monks and the meditation and gosh, you're lucky to have that opportunity and to do that because I think, you know, I've only seen that like on oh, TV shows or, you know, online and stuff, but to actually be able to do that with them and, and find what you found within yourself. I mean, I think Buddhist teachings, uh, I've studied just very, very little, but it's they're very um, 
Oh, I think helpful just to kind of look at life that way and, and embrace what comes your way and, and deal with it day by day, moment by moment. So I congratulate you on that. I think that's just wonderful. So what was your biggest challenge during all of this testicular cancer journey? I think my biggest challenge was one, fearing that, that life was coming to an end and that I was going to die, which at 20, 21 years old really slowed me down. Before that, I felt like I was moving really quickly and trying to get somewhere. And the cancer diagnosis sort of stopped me and slowed me down. That was, that was probably the number one biggest challenge. And then just like my, the relationship that I have with my body changed, you know, like any little kind of nick or like sore throat now, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like cancer is back. And uh, so that's still one of the challenges that I continue to face. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm in, I do therapy. I see a therapist, which right, I, yeah. I started doing that during college to, tr- to try to help with like uh, baseball performance. But um, the therapy has really helped me just discuss feelings uh, and uh, get you know, therapy is kind of like a mirror. You, you continue to learn more about yourself talking to another person because it's reflected back at you. So I really enjoy the relationship I have with my therapist. And it's not always sunshine and rainbows in the sessions, but I always leave with something. And yeah, just the relationship with my body is something that I continue, you know, when you get cancer, it feels like your body let you down. Yes, I know. I, I feel the same way. I'm a cancer survivor, too, and it's any little thing still. And it's been what, for me, it's probably been 11 years since my last go-round with it. But you, you do, you think, oh, God, now what? Is this cancer coming back in my throat or in my arm or wherever it is? So I understand that. I think that's a normal reaction for a lot of us. Um, why do you think, and you weren't one of these men, but why do you think men are hesitant to talk about their health or like go check something out like a lump? Any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I have a couple of thoughts on that. Men, I think, are taught growing up to be tough and to not cry and to uh, suck it up. So we tend to grow up with, uh, you know, when we feel something, to not really look into it and to just keep moving, keep moving forward. There's a lot of like, like uh, phrases about testicles and like it being tied to your strength or being tied to being brave. You know, you hear it a lot in sports, like have some balls or right. grow a pair, you know? So it's like, there's part of that that might be in, tied into uh, the identity of being a man. And so I think speaking up about something so private like that is, is hard for a lot of people. And yeah, I think uh, there's just not enough education around like the seriousness of testicular cancer. I know I didn't learn about it at all. I had no idea that it was a thing and never learned about it in health class growing up. I think some of those are the reasons that we don't speak up about it. And then just not having support. Like I had, I had parents, both my mom and my dad that encouraged me to just, you know, go check it out with a doctor to see what it is. Most people, I don't think, are fortunate to have that relationship and, like, support. 
Yeah, I agree. I you, that support is so crucial and just in life in general, but especially when you have cancer or any kind of health challenge come up, you really need parents or friends or someone that can help you, encourage you to do their, you know, get everything checked out. So you kind of told us where you're headed. You're off to the CIA uh, tomorrow, I think. Um, how long of a program is that to become a chef? So I'm, I'm doing the two-year program. There, there is a four-year program there. I've had three years experience in kitchens. It used to be a requirement to go to the school, but now it's just kind of like a recommendation. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's a two-year program. Uh, after the first year, you do uh, an externship. It's called an externship where you actually work in a restaurant and um, get some experience, you know, in a, in a real kitchen with, uh, you know, workers in the industry and so there's a three month like time frame where you're actually like just working in a restaurant and not on campus and then the last year is just like specialty courses and they have six restaurants on the campus so throughout your time there you're actually working in those restaurants as well um but i hope to one day either have my own small food spot i call it a spot because that's kind of how like uh, gro- like in Brooklyn, there's, I, I would always like find the small, like little food hole in the wall shops. And so I just call them spots. So one day I want a spot of my own. And uh, yeah, that's kind of like the dream that's not so clear right now, but that's in my head. Well, you're in the right spot. <laughs> no pun intended. That just came out, actually. But, you know, in, in Brooklyn, in New York City, in the borough, I mean, there's so many of those great little food spots or locations, you know, that you can find. So I that's pretty exciting, I think. And I know the CIA, I've been to, now I'm talking 20 years ago, 20, but you know, they have wonderful restaurants that you'll get to work in. So that's great. Last question, Caleb, is so what's a song when you hear it that you just have to sing along to it? Mm, well, I just got back from Houston, Texas, and in the in the Astros Stadium, Minute Maid Park, they play a song in the seventh inning that I've been attempting to sing along with, but I don't really know the the lyrics. But it's uh, it's called "Deep in the Heart of Texas." Okay. And so I've just been since I got back from the trip, I've been playing that and trying to sing along with that. But I'm honestly not really great with lyrics, so anytime I try to sing along with a song i always get a few of the words just kind of wrong so oh well that's okay deep in the heart, i know that one line from deep in the heart of texas which is that line right there yeah <laughs> so, that's the only line know. i know too so well i really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me about your testicular cancer journey especially i know you're really busy getting ready for school so just um thanks for all that you have done you know, to raise awareness and maybe, you know, a year or so, come back and tell us what's happening with your culinary. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And uh, I was really moved by your story, your personal story and, you know, your son's story and uh, really wanted to participate in this podcast and do service. So I appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Don't Give Up on Testicular Cancer. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to our program on your favorite podcast directory. You can also visit the Max Mallory Foundation at www.maxmalloryfoundation.com slash 
podcast. To listen to previous podcast episodes or donate to the foundation. And join us again next time for another episode of Don't Give Up on Testicular Cancer. Thank you.